Okay, good evening everyone. Today is the second day of the month of Tavis. Tonight you will learn, number one, what is so great and why is your blood so important? And we're, I'm actually very happy to say that we have our very own Dr. Yosef who will give us a little um, talk about it. And following that we'll talk about the spiritual aspect of blood. Additionally tonight you will learn the source of many negative attributes that a person oftentimes has. We'll learn where they come from. Tonight, we will not learn how to deal with them. That's a separate, that's a separate topic and a separate time, but, and hopefully our doctor will agree with this statement, but we have a statement in, in Kabbalah that we say, half of the cure is knowing the sickness. Doctor, do you agree with that? Okay, good. We have, we have a, an agreement. Half of a cure, got, unfortunately, we all know people that they have a sickness that doctors, they can't term it. They don't know what it is. And unfortunately, many times those people aren't able to live happy lives because they're not treated properly. That's because we don't know the sickness. So half of a cure is knowing the sickness. So tonight, we're going we're gonna to learn again about the, what's the specialty of blood and why it's so important. And we'll learn about the source of many, many negative things that happen within our body. I'd like to, though, start off with a question asked by Moshe. Fantastic question. The question he raises is, by raise of hand, how many people here are familiar with the word Baal Tshuva? Baal Tshuva, okay, we have quite a big raise of hands. So Moshe's question is, is a Baal Tshuva a tzaddik, a benini? Or Russia? Is he not? None of them? All of them? Did I say the question correctly, Moshe? Fantastic question. Let's do a quick poll by raise of hand. How many of you think about Shuva is a tzaddik? Okay, we got two hands. That's not too good. Okay, three hands. Four hands. Okay, how many people here think about Shuva is a Bainini? Got about five. Okay, how many think about Shuva is a Russia? Okay, good. No, no hands. That's, that's good. Um, how many people think about tshuva is none of the above? Okay, none of the above. How many people haven't voted? How many people? And put your hands up if you haven't voted. <laughs> so the answer to Moshe's question is a brackets that we spent some time on two classes ago. A, cla a brackets within the Tanya that really is the answer to everything. If you remember, additionally, last week we spent some time. We spent some time on it, but I'll remind you the scenario. A man goes over to a woman, and he's a wicked man. He says, "I'll marry you on condition that, you're com that I'm completely righteous." Could you call out what the Torah law is? Yes. The Torah law is that they need to get. They need to get a real divorce document. Why? Because within that one second, it was possible that he became a full tzaddik. So a Baal Shuva doesn't mean anything about whether he's a tzaddik, rush or a Benini. Well, actually it does. It means he's not wicked. If you're a Baal Teshuva, if you've come closer to God, then you certainly can't be a Russia. But it doesn't tell you whether the person is the intermediate or whether that person is a tzaddik. Did that answer the question? It's a great question and I fully appreciate it. Thank you very much. 
So last week we discussed how there's two souls. Let's read it a little bit inside, and then we'll have our... Please. Fantastic question. Same exact thing. So the question raised was, what about a convert? And there's a famous comment. With your permission, I want to take a moment and write it down, because the question was raised. Fantastic question. Does anyone have a blank piece of paper? Please. I have a pen, thank you. No, I have a pen. Thank you. What do you call a baker in Hebrew? A baker. A baker. Ofe. What do you call the food he bakes? I don't know, let's call it lechem, bread. What do you call a shoemaker? Or what? What? Sandlar. What do you call what he? What do you call his shoes he works with? Nalaim, sandalar, and nalaim. What do you call? How do you say the words? A convert that converted. Ger. Ger. A ger. What's the next word? Ger. I'm going to say shaniskayer, but but that that's fair enough. But thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, look, my handwriting is not the best right now, but if you look at the words, and this goes through almost everything in the Hebrew language, the maker and the object made have different words. You have the ofeh and you have the lech. You have the sandlar and you have the na'alayim. The shorish is not the same. When it comes to a convert, the convert that converted is one of the only things that has, it's the same word, ger, sheniskayer, it's the same word. Why is it the same word? Because it's the same person. A convert is someone who was born with a Jewish soul. They just needed to convert to reveal within them. Right? We say a convert was at Mount Sinai. Without that convert there, without the soul of that convert, the Torah wouldn't have been given. So that's why it's scarce and iskayer, because nothing really happened to that convert aside for revealing what's in them. So to go back to the initial question, is a tzaddik, what is a convert? Exactly the same thing as a Baal Tshuva. A convert is whatever they make themselves. Um, let's look inside of the Tanya. Thank you, that's a fantastic point. Again, we're on page number four. Within the Tanya, second right column, the paragraph, the explanation of the questions raised above Moshe. If you don't mind reading, please. The explanation of the questions raised above is to be found in the light of what Rabbi Khan Vital wrote in Sha'ar Ha Kedusha and in Ezekhan Portal 50, Chapter 2, that in every Jew, whether righteous or wicked, are two souls. As it is written, the Meshama 
for souls which I have made, alluding to two souls. Right, perfect. So the, um, the Torah tells us that the souls I have made in the plural, unishamot, doesn't say nishama. So it's nishamot, meaning within every person there are two souls. And we discussed this last week. But here's where we go to, um, we're going to continue on now. And I know Tony last week had some questions. Amosha Mandel, do you mind continuing? There is. There, <coughs> there is one soul which originates in the Kalipa, Kalipa. Good. And Sitra Akhara, and which is clothed in the blood of a human being, giving life to the body as it is written. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. This is fantastic. Within these few lines, we've learned so much. Let's just talk a little terminology here so we're all on the same page. Klipa and Sitra Akhara very commonly um, used within Kabbalah. Very important words. You have an orange, then you have an orange peel. You have an almond, then you have the, nut, the, have the shell surrounding it. You have roses, and you have, thor- you have thorns. Those thorns... Let's do this by raise of hand. Curious to see the answer. Do, this, do the thorns have any purpose to the rose? Yes or no? Yes? No hand raised means no. So again, if you say yes, raise your hand. If you say no purpose, please keep your hand down. What's the purpose, Dr. Yosef? Of the thorns? Probably to protect the plant. Protect the plant, thank you. Um, could anyone share by raise your hand, what's the purpose of a shell surrounding an almond? It protects the plant. It protects the plant. Parasites. And Parasites, okay. So we've established now that shells are important. True? We've established that. Is the shell the highlight of what we're dealing with? Sometimes. Sometimes. Give me an example. Sometimes the, if you want to, if the flowers, the rose is beautiful, and you want to protect it, the one protects it. Right. But you need it in order to keep it. You need it, but is it the highlight? Is it the focus? No. No. Yes. One cannot take into consideration the fruit unless he takes into consideration the shell. Whether the shell be internal or external, the shell nurtures the essence which is within it. Absolutely, and, and we're, we're agreeing to that point that the shell is very important. But the shell is not the focus. And that is klipa. It's the external shell. Klipa means a shell. Just the literal translation, klipa means a shell. And it's very important to know that a shell has godliness within it. The shell, the thorns of the rose are very important to God. But, they are important because of something else. Then you have Sitra, Achara. Those are Aramaic words. Klipa is a Hebrew word. Sitra, Achara is Aramaic. Anyone know what Sitra, Achara means? The other side. Sitra is side. Achara comes from the word Acher, the other side. Same exact thing. There's the godly side, and then there is the other side. Which, by the way, you, let's not forget, the Torah doesn't... I, I, have, a, I, have, an edu- I have many... Everyone here is educated. But ev- so everyone here knows that you don't go ahead and scream at a child doing something wrong in front of a classroom and call him out. Ideally, ideally, first you say... You know, there's someone really disturbing this classroom, could they please stop disturbing? Or you'll say, you'll compliment, you'll say, wow, 95% of the classroom is really focused. 
so within the Torah, the same thing. We don't go and say that, that you know, something, this is completely disgusting. You don't find these. The Torah will say, this is not kosher. But to go, and the same thing is when we're referring to other things, we're going to call it the other side. We're going to call it the shell. Very key words over here. So with your permission, I'd like to use from now on in our classroom, in our, in our class, the word klipa, a shell, and sitra achara, the other side in reference to things that are not the side of godliness. The soul, the second, the, the first soul. Which soul is the first soul, everyone? The, the animalistic soul. That is the first soul. Why is it the first soul? Why is that called the first one? Because it answers the body first. Why does it answer the body first? Isn't that the one that enters the body first? It enters the body first. I didn't understand. Yes, 100%. It enters the body first. The day that a child is born, the animalistic soul enters that child. My wife's grandparents, they were living in Albany, New York at the time. They were blessed with a daughter. It was Friday night. And it was, there was a possibility for my wife's grandfather to run to Shul and name the child. He didn't do it. Because I don't know exactly whether he, they hadn't decided a name. I don't know all the details. But what I do know is, the following Shabbos, when he called the Rebbe's office to inform them that his wife had had a child, the Rebbe said, you must name your child immediately. Why? Because when you, for a girl, when you give her her name, the Jewish soul enters. And for a boy, when he has his bris, the Jewish soul enters. Which actually, this, you know, this brings up a side topic, but that is, uh, there, are, there are, you know, at times people will think, we'll name the child when we, when we have inspiration for your child's benefit. Name the child immediately. So the first, the second the child is born comes in the animalistic soul. It is the first soul to enter. By the way, the animalistic soul is called an old king, a foolish king, for that very reason. Where does this animalistic soul hide out? Call it out. It, try again. Blood. In the blood. In the blood. Dr. Yosef, could you join me here and, and give us a quick one or two minute rundown on the blood? <laughs> well, the blood is a magnificent word. It really does everything. Um, it, uh, it, you have the, the, the cells and you have the plasma. The cells, they, they have three types. You have um, the white cells, which pr protect you against infection. Uh, you have the platelets, which are important in blood clotting. And you have the red cells, which transport oxygen. Um, um, in, in addition to the, the cellular elements of the blood, of course, you have the, the plasma, and which is a very complex organ. And, um, um, and has many, many functions. Um, it carries waste materials to the kidneys. Uh, it absorbs nutrients from the gut and carries it to the tissues, um, and, and so on. It also, uh, also in the plasma, you have um, uh, antibodies. Um, you have clotting uh, factors. And um, <clears throat> this morning, you said I could talk about anything. So, uh, uh, so oh, and then, of course, you have um, you have uh, electrolytes, you have sodium, potassium, magnesium, and phosphorus. And um, I just want to say two very short things and I'm going to sit down. 
But one of these things is that the, the, the blood is very, very tightly regulated. And everything in the blood is very tightly regulated. So your calcium in the blood is, is present within very, very narrow limits. The sugar in the blood, very narrow limits. Phosphorus in the blood, very narrow limits. And if something, if they, and if they um, you know, depart from the narrow limits, then you get sick. But normally, you have very, very tight regulation. And, and the same thing is true for um, the clotting system. Um, and it's almost a, a miracle. Uh, I don't know how this is going to tie into the class. But um, if the, the clotting system uh, doesn't work, and you cut yourself, or you injure yourself, it could lead to that. On the other hand, if it works too well, you can have a, a blood clot, a stroke, or a heart attack. You know, so it's 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 a very very tightly balanced system. And there's there's elements to promote clotting, and there's elements to prevent too much clotting. And it's it's very very tightly regulated. And that's all I want to say. But Fantastic. I, I think it's a it's a very it's a uh, very miraculous organ. Thank you, Dr. Yosef. <laughs> I didn't give Dr. Yosef too much time to prepare, so I, I appreciate that. So we just heard that in many elements, blood is its a gift from God. What about the blood in particular makes it the vessel that our soul, our animalistic soul, flows through it? And I'll open this up. What is spiritual about the blood more than anything else? Yeah, just call out some, some thoughts you have. It's like it's, well, kind of like you said, it's life. I mean, you, 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 you regulate, you just die or you live. It's the regulation. I would think of like the kosher thing. It's like you slaughter an animal in a certain way and you have to get rid of, you get rid of the blood because that's part of the life of the animal and we're not going to eat maybe the life of the, of the animal and right. we don't eat it. But why is the life in the blood? No, you're making a very good point. But the question is, the, what? You just explained it. But okay. It doesn't sound to me like the cells in the blood would be alive, but most of the blood is not alive. But what it does is it nurtures everything else around it that is alive. The blood nurtures everything else around it. That is alive, right? That's interesting. But the blood itself doesn't... I mean, I suppose some of the blood cells themselves are alive, but the plasma is just chemicals. Um, so... There's very little life in blood itself, it seems to me. But unless it's working correctly, the things around it can't be nourished by it, so they can't live. So the life itself, the blood itself, does not have life. It gives life to other things, other entities. Let's take one more thought. And then, oh, sorry, yes, Lottie, we'll take two more. Yes. I think if uh, if a body organs or body parts or anything are are deprived of blood flow or good circulation, right. in time they're gonna uh, uh, wither and and die, um, and it, it sustains life. Yeah. So, fantastic! It gives you life. Right. I, th I think you're saying a similar thought. Yes, yes. Um, Sharona, please. Um, the blood goes everywhere uh, in the body, whereas other Fantastic. The, the blood is all over. So I think everyone is saying a similar thought. Now, I'm making myself in trouble, but let me ask the doctor. Doctor, what, what brings heat to the human body? Or what does heat flow through? 
generates energy uh, generates heat and I suppose I suppose the blood would transfer. So we are taught we are taught that blood is full of heat. That means yes if someone bleeds you may not feel hot. You may that may but the blood carries heat throughout the body. Heat is one of the most spiritual elements that exists in our world. You can't touch it. There's nothing you could do with it. You can't grasp heat. But you know it exists. So when we talk about spirituality, we don't look at our fingernail and say, this is the closest thing to spirituality. We don't look at a desk, but we could look at heat. And we could say, this is, there's something spiritual about it more I'm not saying this is the most spiritual thing, that's not at all what I'm saying, but I'm saying within the body, one of the most, one of the, one of the items within our body that, re that reveals a deeper dimension of godliness than the, f than the physical body that we see is heat. Any thoughts? And because of, because of that, because of this spiritual dimension that the blood has, our animalistic soul specifically comes into that part. Our animalistic soul is godly. Meaning, yes, I'm, I know maybe that's a little contradiction of terms, but it's not at all. The animalistic soul is completely spiritual. And how could that come into a physical body? It's impossible. Right? They say it's a miracle that a man could marry a woman. It's a much bigger miracle that, our, that the spiritual can connect with the physical. Which, by the way, very often we say the idea of marriage is the same idea. It's physical connecting to spiritual. Throughout Kabbalah, Shir Hashirim. How many of you, by raise of hand, have read Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs? It's all about our relationship to God in terms of, of husband and wife. So the, the idea of, of this soul coming to the body is impossible without this intermediary. And that is the blood. So the, the animalistic soul flows through the blood. Okay, so now we have clarity that this animalistic soul is from Klippa and Sitra Achara, as we, as we discussed, and it flows through the blood. And now we're going to discuss what it does to us. Amladi, um, do you mind continuing, please? We're currently holding from its stems... Within the paragraph, uh, yeah. From it stems all the evil characteristics deriving from the four evil elements which are contained in it. These are anger and pride. Let's, let's stop here for a moment. Um, everyone's familiar with the four elements? David, what's the four elements? Are you asking me? Yes. Uh, at the time that this was written, the physical universe was not described in the terms that we use now. The best scientific minds described it in terms of the elements which are set forth here, even to the point where they also found themselves in Eastern philosophy. Um, so this was the best scientific uh, description available. Um, one other point, which is not directly related to this, but comes up with what you said earlier, the Torah very specifically says the blood is life. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Basha, what are the four elements? That the world is made up of. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Earth, air, water, 
earth, fire, water, and air. Fantastic. Now, the four elements, what does it mean that the world is made up of earth, water, fire, and air, or wind, ruach? The, the wa that, does that mean if you take water, if you could combine water, wind, heat, all of a sudden you'd be able to create things? Is that the meaning of it, Tavir? No, so what is the meaning? What is the meaning of the elements? Or what well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning, if you say that through these four elements everything is created, why can't we take the four elements and create? But now that we have the four elements, let's combine them. Just like if you take two colors, you can make a third. Let's take the four elements, put them together, and create man. Physical building blocks. Anything you create. Yeah, so, so, take, so let's... Buildings contain... They're, they're building clones, but they don't have souls. I mean, it's... Right? They're, they're able to manipulate physical today. But they can't do anything with the spirit. If, if you go ahead and you take fire, dirt, water, and wind. Moshe is an outside door type of guy. He, take, he, he, gather, he takes a fire with, with, uh, some, with some dust and he, he brings his fan and pours a little water and he says a blessing on it. Will a stone turn up from that? Why not? The, the, the answer is, please. Well, two answers. The first is it's a little metaphysical. Earth, fire, wind, and water, solid, liquid, gas, and energy. So I think that's one of the reasons that the, the four elements were determined. Okay. And you can make things with them. If you had enough energy and material, you could actually make a rock. You can't do it with a campfire, though. Why does fire always go up and not down? Why does fire go up? Gravity should pull it down. Out of everything, the fire goes up. Water goes down. Well, Dirt falls down. Fire goes up. Why? My Shemelo, why? Well, there's heat. So, so what? The scientific explanation is there's less density in the flame that's burning. So it's less dense than the gas around it, so it goes up. I'll tell you, no, and I appreciate that, but I'll tell you the Kabbalistic explanation. Okay. Don't, don't ever come to me for the scientific explanation. <laughs> <laughs> you got okay. And actually, I'm not even going to tell you the Kabbalistic explanation. I'll tell you the, the explanation Maimonides gives in his Yada Chazaka. He's a book of law. In the book of law, in the first few chapters, he says, very simple, he says, the four elements are not the four elements we know. The, the element of fire, wind, water, dirt, these are not, these are spiritual elements. And taking these four spirit, fantastic. Round of applause for Shmuel David, is that what he said? Fantastic. <laughs> so, the four elements are spiritual. What God did is, using these four spiritual elements, he was able to create anything. So why does fire go higher? Because, says the Rambam, the spiritual element of fire is above us. And so fire goes higher. 
So these four spiritual elements could make anything physical. These four spiritual elements are really eight spiritual elements. Why? We have four spiritual good elements and four spiritual bad elements. Anything good is created from the four good yisoidais, the four good foundations, and anything bad is created from the four negative foundations. And that is what my Shemendel just read so beautifully. To say it's a quote, from its stem, all the evil characteristics deriving from the four evil elements. Clear. There are four evil elements, which automatically we could deduce that there are four positive elements. So if you talk about the four, the four elements, it's actually eight of them. Okay. So now we know that which four elements make up the, our animalistic soul, Basha? Which set of four? The, 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 right, the not good, and, and, and like Devere corrected me last week, not good is an incorrect term. And I like, I'm, I'm happy that he correct, called me out on that. Okay, we're now ready to talk about the source. So now we've clarified, let's say what, what we've clarified. We've clarified that there is Sitra, there is Klipa Achra, there, there is there is Klipa, and there is Sitra Achara, the, the other side. We've clarified the greatness of blood, and thank you, Dr. Yosef. We've gone ahead and discussed the four elements, and how there's really four elements for good and the opposite of good. And now let's look at what comes from these four elements. I told you there were eight elements. I'm going to tell you there's 16 right now. There are... There are the, the source of everything, which are those four elements of good and the four elements of the opposite of good. Uh, cancel, there's eight elements. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> there's eight elements. From the four opposite of good elements come the following. Melissa, because none of these apply to you, I'd like you to read it. Please continue. These are... These are anger and pride, which emanate from the element of fire, the nature of which is to rise upward, the appetite for pleasure from the element of water, where water makes to grow all kinds of enjoyment, and sculpting, boasting, and idle talk from the element of air, and sloth and... Exactly. From the element of earth. Fantastic. So we've went through the four foundations and we've discussed what their makeup is within our body. Fire, as we said, is hot and likes to go up. Okay, and so from fire comes anger, heat, and pride. I'm on top of the world. Water. What is the connection between water and pleasure? 
it's like the it's kind of like the opposite of heat. It's like if you're getting too hot, you want something cold. And water quenches the So water should put out the 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 desires. But we're saying water is the source of all desires. Bathsheba, what's your thoughts? I think like water feeds life. Exactly. But but tell me more. What do you mean it feeds life? It makes uh, good things grow, like plants, flowers. Fantastic. Water is a source of everything. Water is also the source of our desires. When you desire something, when you let, let's just take food. When you desire food, it uh, completely it, it grew from water. And everything in our world is sustained by water. Thank you. Blood seems to be a mixture of fire and water and that it carries heat, but it flows like water. Right? Interesting observation, yes. Yes. What did you say? Say it again. That blood carries both characteristics of both elements and that it carries heat, but it also flows like water right. through our bodies. Right. I'll just mention about it that, that blood doesn't carry the characteristic of growth of, uh, of life for, for the world. It's our, it's our personal right. life. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Moshe. The wind has nothing to it. The wind has... You, you walk in and you're able to forge ahead. A wind is a waste of your time. <laughs> Talking about nothing is wasting your time. Going ahead and, and scoffing, boasting, you're wasting your time. It's not hot air. Hot air would go back to the heat. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, Cold air. Just like one person, but we're all connected by blood. Like if one person bleeds and is about to bleed to death, another person's blood can match and save Hey, good point. Good point. Thank you. And finally, earth is heavy. The dirt, it's, it's in, let's just say in our, in our current context, it's dead. Someone that is depressed, unfortunately. Someone that, has no, that they've just, they have no interest in life, that comes from the element, the spiritual element of earth. So our animal soul is made up of these four elements. And they each have a certain power over us. So if you ever see someone depressed, you could tell them, listen, the element of earth from your animalistic soul really took, really took you over. It's in full control. And if you see someone boasting, you tell them which element? Yeah. Boasting is air. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. If you see someone going ahead and, and, uh, and being haughty... Boasting is water. Air is sloth and bone. Earth is water makes the girl all kinds of enjoyment, frivolity, and stopping, boasting, and idle talk. That's from water. So from, let's just continue the next page. And then it says here, from the element of air, sloth, so and So that, that, uh, yeah, and so that, 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 that separates the past. <laughs> so when it says, from the element of water, for water makes to grow all kinds of enjoyments. So that next symbol, yeah, that yeah. separates the past. Now it's starting in from the element of air. Oh, okay, yeah. I see where Okay. Yeah. So we have these four elements within us. They create our animalistic soul. But now we're going to learn something that is shocking. 
And it's a very important idea, and that is that even if someone does something good, it's not good. Even doing good is not good. Why? Because if we're doing good, because it's good for us, so we haven't gone beyond ourselves, we haven't done anything special, we're just, we're not unique, we're not special. We haven't done anything that has removed us from our boundaries. So, for example, you go on the street and you see someone crying and you help them out. You're not a tzaddik. You're not even a bainani. You're just someone who is there to help. Dependent. Why are you helping that person? Let's, let's take a little tally over here. Are you helping that person because it's hard for you to see them cry? Or because it, it does, it's, it's something unfat... You can't imagine that there's someone that doesn't have a house to sleep in? Maybe or... helping to save their life. If they're depressed, then you can, your presence can deter them from doing something terrible to themselves. So yes, you can be doing good because for no ulterior motive. You're not doing it because mm -hmm. God said... Remember, even if you do something... If, if someone comes to you and says, I'll give you a million dollars to go and build... Uh, if, if you go and build the newest hospital and you'll save thousands of people, you're still an average mundane person. You did it for the money. You may have done something amazing. But there was an ulterior motive there. So when we have an ulterior motive, so that is not something that is overly above and beyond God. We did it with an ulterior motive. It's a very, very important point. Yes? So does that mean you have to be disconnected from your own good acts? So I think what you're saying is if you, if you see somebody who's hungry on the street and you feel badly that they feel hungry, so you feed them, Yeah. that really that is not a selfless act. That's an act that you do in order to make yourself feel better. Absolutely. If there's a food drive somewhere and you donate food, you donate food because you know it needs to be done. And that is a selfless act. So do you need to be disconnected from your own good acts in order for them to be good acts? Uh, in order for them to be good acts? I guess that's just about No, and I just want to say, and I, I, I just want to say that, of course, if you go ahead and you give someone money, you've done a good act. And I'm, I'm not taking that away. What I am saying is to call this a godly act, to say that you've done, that you've, you've went way, you've done a mitzvah where you've gone against your nature. That is only if you're doing it with no ulterior motive. No ulterior motive means not even, like many people do do mitzvahs, and we all do, myself included, we do it because we know that, let's say in Olam Haba, God is going to reward us. If we do something because we're going to get a reward, so again, we have not gone above and beyond. It's also a difference between a mitzvah and a chesed, right? A mitzvah is something we're commanded to do, whether we get gain pleasure from it or not. Well, it, all, it depends on our outlook. Again, depends on our outlook. How are we perceiving this thing? Are we, are we... It's the same exact act. 
One person does because his heart is breaking to see this happen. Right. Another person does because God commanded me, period. No ulterior motive, nothing. We're doing the same exact thing. No one will never know. I'll never know if you did it because you did it because God said or you did it because it was something driving you inside. I'll never know that. So it can't be both? <coughs> no. If you do tzedakah, it's counted as tzedakah no matter what your motive is. Yes. So, in the same way here, if you do something good, shouldn't it be counted as something good no matter what your motive is? I, I think I, mis I misled the conversation. This is whether or not you're a sonic or not. It's not the act itself. It's how it reflects on you, not the act itself. Is that... Well, well, actually, I just want to go back to last week's class. This really goes back to last week's class. Are we talking about the way the heavenly court looks at you? Which, yes, if you do good, you'll be rewarded for it. Or are we talking about, yes, like Tony just said, are we talking about your essence? Are you, are you living a godly life? Or are you living an average human life? And by the way, living an average, an average human life is also tremendous. We're not taking away from that. But we're saying, to say that right now I'm leading a godly life means that I am removing my personal interest within this, act, within this action. Did that, did that clarify? Mm -hmm. okay. Yes, Sharon. I just have a question. Because you mentioned earlier, um, do we, I'm doing it because it's halacha. <clears throat> so I, I think there is, maybe it's a minimum of halacha. If someone asks you for charity, you have to give it. Yes. You cannot say no. So, but let's say you do it just because it's halacha. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. You're saying that's a godly act, or that's absolutely. Godly? If you're if you're doing it because the Torah says so, okay. then there's there's no ulterior motive. And let's just read these words, and with this we'll conclude. Um, Liz, do you mind continuing um, from this soul? Intention is not there. That's what. I Are you saying if you're upset about it, no. and you still get no? I'm just no. You're not upset about, it, but that's why you do it because you you have let's say it's just that's halacha. That's, that's what you do. That's the ultimate. No, that's the ultimate reason. There's no alternative because you follow halacha. The ultimate you is don't decide for yourself. Do I want to give or not? Somebody yes. asks me, I give. Yes. So it's automatic. That that would be. There is also the idea of like um, you, you help people because. That's why Hashem told you to help right. his children, so you do it. Yes. But it's like you're not making a decision each time, looking at the person, do I, do I want to give, do I care, do I, you know, it's just like I'm right. giving because Correct. it's automatic. Correct. It's automatic. Correct. Thank you. Um, let's just read two more lines, and with that we'll conclude. Liz, please. From this soul. From this soul stem also the good characteristics, salt and melancholy from the element of Which are to be found. Hold on, hold on. Uh, the great characteristics, which are to be, thank you, which are to be found in the innate nature of all Israel, such as mercy and benevolence. Let's stop here. We know the Jewish person is born with three things, Rachmanim, Baishanim, and Gremli Chassadim. A Jewish person naturally is compassionate. He's, he's um, a Baishan. He's an embarrassed person. He doesn't look for the spotlight. And Gremli Chassadim, he looks out to do kindness to other people. Three things. If a Jewish person is compassionate to another, we say, there's nothing unique. That's not coming from the godliness within you. That's coming from the other soul. 
The other soul, you have a desire to help someone else out. That's a tremendous thing, but it's a natural thing within you. You haven't, you haven't stepped beyond who you are. You were born that way. So if someone goes ahead and is kind to someone else, he goes, we say, you haven't yet touched the godliness within you. So let's make a summary here and we'll conclude it. And if there's a question or two, we'll take that. So in summary, we've said that the animalistic soul is the source of the negative within us. And we discuss what comes from water, fire, air, and earth. And we went even so far to say that even the natural tendencies that someone is born with, he doesn't get credit for. That's who he is. That's how he was born. Thank you very much. Are there any questions? Yes. I need somebody who 